Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Hey, comrades, welcome back to the Bill Kasky Podcast. I am happy to be with you today. Happy New Year. You know, we missed our cue last week, so we did not release an episode. That's the first one we've missed in a while. So uh, glad to be back with you. Hopefully 2021 is starting off well. And I know that everybody's talking about 2020 and 2021 and what's it going to look like. And I'll just kind of leave that for the experts. I don't have any predictions. Predictions that I've made in the past have not come true. So I've kind of gotten away from the prediction game. But one thing that I did notice in 2020 is that we had a lot of experts on the scene. You can call them scientists, you can call them experts, whatever. And primarily it was around the COVID and the pandemic. And it seemed like you'd hear an expert say one thing, and then a month later they'd say something totally different or far enough off that you'd say, now, wait a minute, did you know that a month ago when you had other advice? Or how have you changed your advice so much? And I think we have become a little leery of experts, And that's understandable. In fact, I even uh, said something on Twitter the other day that I'm very leery of experts. I had a couple people holler back at me and say, wait a minute, aren't you an expert? Should we be leery of you? And I probably should have answered, yes, you should. You should listen to what my advice is, because I give a lot of advice and a lot of tips on this podcast. But you've got to use it and make it work in your world. If it doesn't, don't use it. Or if you don't believe it'll work, and you know it won't work, then don't use it. I always suggest try things. Give it a go. Give it a shot. And if something that I say resonates with you and say you say, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Put it to use. Try it. Double down on it if it works. Throw it out if it doesn't. But one thing I've realized is that some of the experts in the sales training and coaching business have misled us. I don't think they've lied to us. I mentioned on LinkedIn that I, you know, there's some lies that are out there. But a lot of what has transpired over the last 20 years is that coaches and trainers have their set regimen, they have their curriculum, and they've really made no changes in it. And a lot of this gets back to because these large coaching companies, they can't go and change curriculum all at once. So they, they just kind of live with what they've been using. And so I've got five areas that I think our trainers and coaches have misled us. I've actually got 12 total as I look through, actually 14. And I'm not going to go through all these today, but I'll go through five today. And then I'll hear what my audience wants. If they want more, we can do another episode in the next couple weeks on five more. But the reason I think this is important is if you can look at what you've been taught to believe and reconfigure it a little bit based on the current model, the current circumstances, the current environment, then I think challenging beliefs is okay. I think it's really healthy. You know, I find a lot of people when I go in to start coaching a group or or coaching individuals, they've been taught something when they were young, 
and it's kind of carried over years and years and years. When you're first out of college or school and you take a sales position and you have a very strong mentor or coach uh, or manager, they will say something and it'll stick with you because you're fashionable. You're, you're still forming your opinions. And yet often we wake up when we're 50 years old and we say, how did that ever get into our brain? Where did that come from? And I, I am a big proponent of checking out your beliefs. Your beliefs and your actions are almost always congruent, almost always. And if you check out your beliefs, which we're going to do here a little bit, I think you might find some ways to improve them. So here is my list. I'm going to go through five, and I'm, I'm going to give you the alternative here, too. Number one, and, and again, think about these as if someone has told you this or suggested this or you've read it or you've heard it or you've watched it. Number one, if you would just ask better questions, the customer will be more likely to buy from you. I love questions. I love finding out what the issues are that a potential client has, understanding those issues, and then crafting a solution to help them solve those issues. I think there's beautiful things that happen when you ask questions. Number one, never interrogate. I see this a lot. I get, I get it used on me a lot too when I'm the prospect. Is somebody on the phone or face-to-face -face will just be pummeling me with questions, all in the spirit of getting to know more about me and getting to know what my dilemmas are. You've got to be really careful when you ask questions. You've got to deserve the permission to ask the questions. So the alternative to that, so that you don't interrogate people, is upfront in the process. Simply make the statement to the prospect or the question, is it okay if I ask you some questions about your current circumstance and what you're facing and what you're trying to accomplish so that I can better understand whether we can help you or not? That's really how you get permission. It lowers the resistance for the prospect because now they know why you're asking the question as opposed to just shining the light in their eyes like I have right now, a light in my eyes, and getting interrogated. It's not a good, not a good system. So yes, better questions help, but the questions need to be primarily around their current circumstance, not around what's your budget, uh, when do you want to have this implemented? I mean, those are questions you can ask down the road, but Primarily up front, you want to get permission to ask questions, create a safe environment so the questions you ask will be answered truthfully. You know, you've heard these saying that prospects lie. Well, they do, but 90% of the time they lie, it's because of us, because we force them to lie by not pro providing a safe environment or not asking the right questions or asking questions that are too assumptive at the beginning of the sales process. So I think that's something our trainers and coaches have told us. Just ask more questions. Ask better questions. Yeah, but there's a little bit more to it than that. So do that upfront thing where you just ask for permission. Number two, if you would just work harder and longer and grind more, good things will happen for you. Oh, yeah. The old grind it out mode of selling and of achievement. Now, here's where I think the old trainers and coaches are a little bit right and where they're wrong. Number one, they're right because working hard is not, a, is not a bad thing. I would rather see you work hard in the market than sit around and eat 
dark chocolates all day. Maybe dark chocolates with graham crackers in them. That's really good. And wait for something to happen because you know that's not going to be the case. So you uh, hard work is not is not a problem, but I'm not sure grinding and longer work is really the answer. I think this is where strategy comes in. So here's an example. I can make a hundred calls, phone calls, cold calls, trying to get somebody on the phone, trying to get them enthused and inspired about training or developing their people. Or I can create a web page that is designed specifically for the person who is not sure whether they want to purchase training or, or work with their people. And it walks them through some of the elements of that. Should I even invest in my people? How do I know my people are right right now for investment? How do I know my people are coachable? What kind of metrics would we use if we invested in a training solution? How do we know it pays off? There's lots of questions that people have at the very beginning that will be good strategic ways for you to determine whether a person is a prospect or not. So rather than make 100 calls, I would rather you send out 100 emails linking your potential prospect to a page where they can work for themselves. They can decide for themselves if, you're, if they're a prospect for you. I heard a stat the other day from Gallup. It was done in November of 2020, the survey. And it said that 33% of buyers prefer a sales-free process. 44% of millennial buyers prefer a salesperson-free process. Did I say salesperson-free? Not sales-free, salesperson-free. Well, now, what does that tell you? What does that tell you about someone who feels a cold call from you, who's not expecting your call, who's not even thinking about the problems they have in your area? They're just not going to be open. Now, whether you believe those numbers or not, I do. Gallup's usually pretty solid with their research. The question is, is how do you make the initial part of the process salesperson free and give them enough information and educate them, teach them maybe why you're, a lot of people are not prospects for you. That's okay too. Be unbiased, be brutally honest. And as they look at that page then, then on that page you have a place maybe for them to calendar a call, schedule a call with you, maybe you follow up. But grinding out a bunch of cold calls, you're only going to get you know, what, five to 10% of people to talk to you. And those people are probably not thinking about you when they pick up the phone and answer. So grinding, I don't like, I think it's a better, it's better to take a strategic approach and say, okay, let's map the buyer journey, the buyer journey up front. They're not looking for a sales call. What they're looking for is information, education. How should I be thinking about the, the product or service you sell? Number three, uh, here's one of my favorites. I hear this a lot from people VPs of sales, CEOs, look, it's all about the numbers. It's just all about the numbers. Are they making the calls? Are they getting the results? What's our revenue? How many new customers did we get? And in the world of data and all the CRMs that are out there, and, and I know I have a love-hate relationship with CRMs, but there's a lot of data there. And if you're logging everything into your CRM and somebody can look and say, well, Johnny, you only made 10 new calls this week. No wonder you don't have enough stuff going on. Well, I think there's more to it than just the numbers. I want to say, or will say, what's behind the numbers? 
if I'm not making enough calls or if I'm not producing enough LinkedIn videos or if I'm not doing the behavior that I have decided, I as a sales professional, have decided it's going to take to generate the kind of results I want, then there's something else stopping me. That's where people need to look. Why don't you like cold calls? Rejection? Well, you got to flip the script. Instead of trying to get them to see you or invite you in or invite you on a Zoom call, maybe you change the script to, I've got something I think would be beneficial for you. Would you like to see it? They say yes. You send them a link or you send them a document or something. That way it's not... It's not you calling trying to get something. It's you calling giving them something. So I believe that it's a whole lot easier to make a cold outreach call. And I'm not lobbying for those. I'll talk a little bit later about cold calls to me are just one element of prospecting. Unfortunately, most sales organizations still live and die by the cold call, cold outreach. I don't buy that. I think there's better ways to do it. But If that's what you are doing and you don't like doing them, then find a way to love it. Find a way to like it. I think one way to do it is to invite people to a process, to something of value for them. If you're not offering them any value in the sales process, what makes them think you're going to offer any value once they buy? So I'm a big believer in educating your prospect, making them a more sophisticated buyer. Sometimes I miss that. I jump right to, well, what are you trying to accomplish? What, what are the, where are the pains? What's the pains costing you? And I don't educate the buyer. And then they go off to two other places who might educate them, and I'm out. And they don't get me. It's a double loser. They don't get me. I don't get them. So is it all about the numbers? Well, the numbers matter, but I want you to look behind the numbers. What is it that's stopping me from executing the numbers? Number four, Don't worry about your personal brand. Who do you think you are? Nobody's going to actually say that to you, but they're thinking that. So when you go into your manager or if you're a VP of sales and you say to your people on the executive team, hey, we're going to undertake an initiative right uh, this month or this quarter. We're going to start building the brand of the sales professionals that are on our team. And this applies primarily in the B2B space, not the B2C space as much, but it could. What kind of reaction are you going to get from people? Oh, man, I think that's a great idea. Let's put, let's put them on video. Let's work on the LinkedIn page. Let's work on the profile. Let's have each of them do a podcast. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, well, our brand's fine. Our marketing department works on our brand all the time. But the reality is in B2B sales, your brand matters. If you have a LinkedIn page, you have a brand. It may not be intentional. It may not be sound but you've got one. So why not take the time to improve that? And I'm not talking about being an Instagram influencer or being all over the internet. I'm talking about LinkedIn primarily here, but you need to create your own brand. When someone looks you up online because you maybe have set an appointment and they see nothing of value from you, all they see is a contact me page and there's no video on it. There's no special advice or suggestions or education, how important are you to them? I've told a story about the purchasing manager for a Fortune 1000 company, and he says, you know, I get a lot of requests for meetings from salespeople. I go to their LinkedIn page. If they don't offer me any help, if I can't see anything of value they bring, I decline the offer. I'm just not going to see people who haven't taken the time 
to create something on their LinkedIn page that says, hey, here's what we do or here's how to buy. So your personal brand and B2B sales matters. And it's going to matter even more in the next couple of years, not less, but more. These trainers who are out there saying, no, I just got a cold call. Don't, don't produce content. That's not your job. Stay in your lane, pal. One of the worst pieces of advice I've ever heard. Stay in your lane. You've got to build your personal brand. Ignore what the coaches and trainers say. It, it's, it's remarkable to me how many trainers and coaches, sales coaches, still don't believe in personal branding. It's unbelievable. And yet, I can point to 20 different case studies of people who have done it and what's happened to their income. All right, getting a little excited here. Here is number five. Don't worry about scaling your business. You let me scale our business by hiring a bunch of more people like you. You just need to get out and make calls. Worst advice in the world. Now, that advice might have worked 20 years ago when we didn't have media platforms that you could create content for and catch the eye of prospects. When it was only a one-to-one game, it was a physical game. How many people are you reaching out to, connecting with, and seeing on a weekly basis? I understand that. But if your sales coach and business trainer right now is telling you that don't worry about scaling your business, that's just poor advice. I want you to scale. I want you to scale your leads. I want you to scale the processes. I mean, what, what if you had... What if you had five people who set appointments with you every week because of something they saw online, something that you reached out maybe, and they could book an appointment with you right online to have a discussion? What, what would that be like? If you had five inbound appointments every week or every month, whatever, forget about the week thing. Just you had people who were seeking you out, reaching out to you. Would that allow you to scale your business more? Of course. And what if all those people, or most of those people, 80% of those people, had been through a process of some kind so that when they got with you, they were actually serious about solving a problem? Now, they may not buy, but if somebody is serious about a problem, they've consumed your videos, they've watched your content online, they feel comfortable with you, they've seen you so that you're not as scary as maybe you are if you're just another salesperson that they're reaching out to, how well positioned would you be if that's the case? If your phone is ringing or your calendar is dinging because you have new appointments, ringing and dinging, then how, how well positioned are you going to be? You're going to be great. You don't have to be all that good. <laughs> I know you are good, and hopefully you're listening to this podcast to get better. But you don't have to be a whiz or a master if people are calling you saying, look, here's my problem. So those are the five pieces that I think trainers miss, coaches miss. Again, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt that a lot of the world has changed around these people. But I am convinced that these five things, if you were to check these things out and you're doing these or you're thinking this way, it's probably because somebody has imprinted that in your mind from a long time ago. Or you're just scared. But I don't buy that. So if you're interested in uh, talking more about some of these, you can reach me at BillKasky.com. We've got uh, groups, peer groups, and mastermind groups starting where we teach these very things. If you're interested in that, go to BillKasky.com. Plenty of ways to get in touch with us there. I would really love it if you left a review on the podcast because we know that Apple promotes the podcast the more reviews we have. So I would appreciate that. Costs you nothing 
and uh, I'd appreciate it if you did that. Hopefully this helps. Connect with me through LinkedIn if you'd like, and we'll come back. We've got some interviews scheduled here in the next few episodes I think you're going to really like. So uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.